0: Welcome to the Love Works Here podcast. I'm Sean York, and today's episode is called Putting Your Heart on the Table. Uh, So I'm going to be talking about the perfect answer to the toughest questions. So the truth is there are a lot of books and speakers that talk about the importance of asking good questions, and they are absolutely right. Asking questions is vital in leadership, and actually something that I would love to be better at, uh, but I was thinking more about this as as I was listening to speakers who talk about answering, uh, you know, asking the perfect question and realize that it's rare that people ever talk about the importance of answering good questions. So over the years, last 15 years, I've probably interviewed about a thousand uh, young applicants and I ask about three to five tough questions and I can tell you there's a difference between good answers and bad answers which we'll talk about that. And I can tell when someone says the right answer for that question. So sometimes you get multiple chances to change your answer if you're doing an interview or someone's asking you a question. But for the most important questions in your life, most times you will often only get one chance, especially when it deals with uh, when first impressions are involved. So it's important that you prepare your mind to how to answer a tough question. Uh, I will say this is actually a, a friend of mine was listening to episode 21, two episodes ago, and it was called We Are the Storytellers. And uh, she heard it and she said, hey, you, you misled us with that title. I thought this episode was going to be about storytelling. Now, she, her name is Kelly Sartain, and she actually, a, a good friend of mine, she actually she coaches a lot of upcoming leaders and future operators on how to be more successful at effectively articulating their life story. How to find their values, their purpose, and grow their core competencies. So, of course, she was hoping for a real storytelling episode. So we had a good laugh because that definitely uh, that episode. If you listen to it, was more about social media and Slack and about telling your stories through photos. And so, uh, so, so we laughed about it, and, and I agreed to run with her advice and actually do an episode on the topic that she was hoping for which was actually telling your story and putting your heart on the table uh, in an interview situation when somebody asks you, you know, tell me your life story. So whether you are a high school student looking to apply for your first job or a leader getting ready to apply for maybe a leadership development program or even an operator looking to apply for, you know, additional opportunity, uh, this episode is designed for you. With that, this is episode 23, Putting Your Heart on the Table. I love my job, high volume, fast food, 160 employees. It is a pressure cooker and it gets crazy. But I truly believe that it's possible to build a business where everyone loves their job. It sounds impossible. And when I first started this business, it was. I'm not the extrovert or the social butterfly. I'd rather be building systems and crunching numbers on Excel. But I decided to stop making excuses of why I couldn't and start utilizing my love for systems to build a better culture. Today, I call it the York Framework, but it's really just a collection of systems designed to make a better workplace and make people happier. I'm going to share all the mistakes I've made so that you don't have to make them, and we'll look for new problems to solve along the way. I'm Sean York, and Love Works Here. So about 10 years ago, I was doing interviews for a handful of young candidates, and I came across this one by the name of Haley Brown. Haley was about 15 or 16 at the time. She was very young, pretty quiet, but seemed very genuine. So I asked her a few questions to break the ice, like where do you go to school, do you have any hobbies, and then I dropped the tough one. What was the best day of your life, or what has been the best day of your life? Now I have to tell you that there's a range at which young kids will respond to this question, and I, if I'm going to tell you the worst answer uh, you could give is, I don't know. Because if you give up on a tough question, then chances are you'll give up as soon as the job gets tough as well. So another form of giving up on this question is when maybe a young person will say, they'll kind of a cop out and you say, you know, what has been the best day of your life? And they say, well, I don't believe I've lived the best day yet. Uh, or they'll say, today is the best day. So you should always avoid these answers, you know, if you're, if you're, ask, if you're answering this question. But uh, you can tell kind of when they're just kind of mailing this, this in. So a slightly better answer to that question is uh, like a milestone. Uh, when I got my license. So an answer that took a little more effort, but still it can feel mailed in. So you get the point. But, uh, so here is 15 year old Haley. And here's what she said to me when I asked what has been the best day of your life. So she paused, she took a moment and I watched her eyes gloss up as she said, the day my parents chose to adopt me. So, I was taken back by this. And I can tell you right now, the interview was over. Now, I asked a few more questions, but in that moment, I had a strong gut feeling that she had character, she could be trusted, and I was going to hire her. So, right then in my head, I was like, You are hired. Now, at this point, I was pretty new at interviewing. Uh, I, I haven't, I'd probably been an operator for. Uh, five years or so, and uh, but I knew it was a good answer when I heard it. So, I'm going to go deep in this episode, but I'm going to start with a challenge that I learned from Haley that day. If you don't get emotional describing your best day ever, then it either wasn't the best day ever, or you're just mailing in the answer. So, that day, Haley put her heart on the table, and it was one of the easiest interviews I ever did. Now, that's one of my favorite stories about someone putting their heart on the table. And it's a great story because of the bravery it took this 15-year-old girl to be so trusting and vulnerable in the interview. But even if we're all willing to be so transparent, not all of us have such great stories like Haley's. Most of us have to put in the work ahead of time, mining through our past and discovering our life's turning points, our purpose, our values, truthfully, a lot of the work that this professional coach slash friend of mine, uh, Kelly Sartain, helps people uncover, which all goes so much deeper than I have the ability to. So instead, uh, I'll tell a story that describes a little bit of the process. Uh, I had uh, an operator friend of mine bring four of his leaders uh, to our training center. And uh, Hannah and I gave a presentation on culture and Hannah does a whole slideshow, PowerPoint thing of all of our systems and how they build culture and how they maintain our culture. And after she finished uh, this presentation... I asked the four leaders of everything that she talked about, what are you most excited about rolling out in your store? And the first leader said, I'm excited about rolling out the 30 day checklist. And then the next leader said, I'm excited about rolling out, uh, you know, the milestone celebrations for birthdays and anniversaries. And then the other two leaders uh, said two similar things. And then I went back and said, I'm going to ask you uh, again from each, each of you uh, of the thing that you're most excited about. Tell me why you're excited about, rolling that out. Now the first one said, uh, I want to roll out the 30 day checklist because I think that it'll help the business run better. And I said, okay, great. And the next one said, uh, the birthdays and anniversaries, because I think that people would, um, it would make them happy. It'd make them feel cared for. I said, okay. And then we went through the other two and then I said, all right, I'm going to go through again. And I'm going to ask you why again, this is the third time I'm going to ask you why. And so, uh, I said, so you wanted the 30-day checklist and you said that you hope that it would help the business run better. Why is that important to you? And she said, because if the business runs better, then people will be happier. And then, okay. Uh, and then the next one, you know, I said, you know, you want people to feel cared for. Why do you want them to feel cared for? And so you see where I'm headed with this. I basically said, I'm going to keep digging until this gets down to something about an impact on people, on others. And what we started to see was with every question we asked, we did, we dug a little bit deeper and suddenly all the answers started going in the same direction. And I, and I didn't do it one more time. I said, I'm not going to lean any harder on you, Uh, but you see where this is headed, right? Uh, With every question, it gets closer and closer to, I want to do this because of a positive impact on people. Now, at the heart of a great answer to any tough question, eventually comes a connection to humanity. At some point, if you keep digging, it always comes back to people, our connection to people, and wanting good for people. So I like to say that if you keep digging, the place we'll eventually all get to is a human connection that we all have. So I'll describe this in kind of a weird way, but the the best way that I can think about it and describe it is if you have ever come up uh, on a car accident, you've ever seen this happen or watched a video and you watch totally normal citizens run in and sacrifice their lives to help someone that they don't even know who's fighting for their life. Now there's something within us that connects us at like a gut core human level when we are in that space where we want good for those people that are in pain or in need. I believe that 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 feeling, that connection is always there, but it's, it's like it's wired into us. And so often it's covered up by maybe greed or selfishness or sin. But it shows up when we look into someone's eyes in crisis and it cuts through all of that selfishness and we see that connection, that connection shows up. So knowing that this level of depth and connection to humans that we love exists in each of us if then you asked to describe, say, your greatest achievement or your greatest day, I already know that the reason that this memory is, with, is in you of your greatest achievement, your greatest day, uh, why it's so memorable. It's there because there was a strong human connection within that memory. So if you were to say, if I asked you what was your, you know, your best day ever, and you say, the day I graduated. And then I asked you why, and you made no mention of other people. If you said, well, it was a sunny day and it was nice. If you made no mention of other people, I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to get another scoop down and I'm going to say, why? why did it mean so much to you? And maybe they'll say, you know, I remember my dad being there and he was really proud of me. Okay, we're starting to get into people here now. Now I'm going to ask you, why? why is it important to make your dad proud? And, and you see where this is headed. Uh, we keep going back and forth and digging. And at some point, this person who I'm talking to has a decision to make. And they say, do I trust you enough to let you in and share my core memories and my core fears? Uh, or do I throw walls up? Do I have trust issues? And do I just mail it in and I just say, no, it was just a good day and that's all? Do I take a chance and put my heart on the table? And I'm telling you today, and this is why I'm doing this episode, sometimes you have only one shot. So when you get a tough question, take a moment, collect yourself, and ask yourself a few times. Ask why. Why was this a good memory? But why? But who was with me? Think of the people that surrounded you in that memory. Why is it etched into my heart? Reach down deep and find your heart and put that heart on the table and say, you know, I was surrounded by these people, And it was really special because of the time I spent with this person and we became best friends or we got married or something, you know, down the road. Uh, But there's a reason that that's a core memory. So don't be afraid to reach down in and access those and put those on the table. I have another story. This is a really cool opportunity I had. Uh, One of my favorite stories about putting your heart on the table. Uh, This might be the best one. Um, It has to do with a group of leaders at a nearby store. So there was an operator, and he's a great friend of mine named Corey, Corey Braun. Uh, Now he'll probably watch this. uh, He'll probably listen to this. But um, one of the funniest operators I know, this guy, he is lovable and he is adored by his leaders. He was applying for a relocation to move back home closer to his family in Alabama. Now he had failed the last four times he had tried to apply for a relocation to go to Alabama. Uh, he had failed at these interviews, and as he actually tells me that one of them he failed so fast it was a phone call, and on the first question I don't I wish I could tell you what the joke was, but it was some dad joke, probably a Michael Scott joke. And the person on the other phone did not laugh. And he said that was the end of the interview. So he counts that as the fourth one, even though it never even got its way to the interview. So all that being said, the odds were against him. So what he did was he was uh, teaching his leaders, he was coaching them to, you know, give a good presentation on presenting, you know, all their systems and their business. And then he brought me and one other operator out to do a mock interview of him and his leadership team. He said, can you just pretend that you're interviewing us and, you know, just give us feedback. So... His leaders walked us through the store. They gave us the grand tour of all their systems, their processes. We went through the kitchen. Uh, They were so well-versed, well-rehearsed. They had great energy. It was a seamless performance. They had good segues. They said, you know, now this person is going to take over and they're going to talk about this. And it was just very well put together. So then we sat down in the dining room and the other operator started grilling them on some great questions. Like he asked, how do you measure success in your organization? How do you influence culture? Uh, How do you know when you're winning? Uh, And and they they, they answered them pretty well. And we had reached the end of the interview and he had no more questions. And I had sat there the entire time, and I said, "You know, I'm I'm just listening. I'm just I'm just taking in information." And I didn't say a single thing. And he said, "I think we're done, Sean. Do you have any questions?" And I had I had three questions, and I I, I might have said, "You know, I have a few questions for you." So I started by congratulating them on their performance. You know, I told them, you know, that you guys crushed it. They, you were, you know, you should be very proud of yourselves. You were happy. You were enthusiastic. But I'm just seeing a disconnect here. I'm noticing this just, this blatant disconnect. So I had to ask him, just my first question. If you win, if you're successful in this interview, what happens next? Are you guys aware of what happens? You know, and they said, well, Corey will get his store in Alabama and he'll get to, he'll get to move and go home. And I said, and then what happens to your jobs? you know, you guaranteed a job here and they kind of, I mean, it started to get real very fast. And I said, how does that make you feel? Is anybody here scared? Is this, a, is this a scary thought for you? And they all kind of admitted that it was, yeah, kind of sad when we think about it and, and we're pretty scared. So my final question was, then why are you doing this? To show, the performance, I mean, everyone's so happy You guys are showing off and you're, you're just, you did a great job. Why, why are you doing it? And, uh, one of the female leaders who had been with, she'd been his general manager from day one. She broke the silence and she said, because Corey would have done that for us to which every head of the table nodded. Now at this point I had promised him just a few questions, but I was like, okay, I'm breaking that promise. Like I'm going to ask a lot of questions now. What had Corey done for you? I said, and and she said, well, everything. And from there, I had them go around the table. What has Corey done for you? Now, I don't have to tell you where this headed, only that there were tears and tissues and hugs. And I finally said, when they were done, when the last person went and the tears kind of all stopped, I said, this right here, this is the interview. If you dig down deep, these are the real answers. And I was so proud of them. So before I laughed, I actually told Corey, I said, hey, can I have a word with your leaders? Can you give me a moment? And so he laughed and I said, hey, would you each one of you write just a a short little card, a thank you letter to Corey. And before the interview's over, uh, when when eventually you guys go to get interviewed, I'd like you to just pull out those cards and just read them to Corey. Surprise him. He's not going to know. And, and, I, and I said, you know, you go first and you go last and just read your cards and say, you know, thank you for, you know, just everything that you said here. I just want you to be able to tap into that. And I said, don't try and be dramatic. And so just read what you, what you wrote and it'll be fine. And if you do that, if you do that, you'll know that you had put your heart on the table for your operator. And that's all I ask is just be honest and be genuine and win or lose, let the chips fall where they may. You did your best. And uh, it, was a great, it was a great moment that I shared with them. And uh, at the end of this episode, I'll give you a, a recap of what happened next. Before I do that, I will tell you the toughest question that I've ever been asked. And this is my final story here uh, in this episode. So this was the toughest question I've ever been asked. And I will tell you that I knew going into it, this was for a question that I was interviewing to get a second store. And the crazy thing was I knew in advance what the question was. I knew months in advance what the question was. And even knowing that the question took me over a month to prepare for every time that somebody would ask me, I had a different answer and I kept evolving and I got better and better and better at answering it. And then finally on the day it was officially asked of me, I nailed it. Now, believe it or not, this impossible question was, why do you want a second store? So simple, so elegant. And if I answered right, I could double my income. I could double my business. Everything that I had, I had one store. I would have two, like every opportunity. But if I answered wrong, then I might have to wait 10 to 15 years to get another shot uh, because there wouldn't be a closer, newer store, wouldn't be built out this way. So the question was tough, but the stakes made the question feel impossible to get it right. So with all that on the line, I don't want to lose the opportunity. It was there, the window was open. Yes, I, I wanted to make more money, and I knew that you know this opportunity might not come around again. But the real answer, it really did come down to the people. And I had to get very specific. I have these pictures in our dining room of our most tenured people, and these are black and white portraits. And I wanted to tell a story and I wanted to tell in order. So I, I rearranged the photos so that I could go down the line and and talk about all these leaders. And essentially I went down and and kind of described how each one of their lives would be changed uh, when, if, and when we were to get a second store. And the first person I talked about, you know, we had a director of operations who, you know, is a very high level leader. He used to have, um, used to be an operator for a KFC franchise and he's just a high level leader. And I said, this guy, he's great. And he's very capable. Now, let me tell you about this younger guy and his name is Jake. Now, Jake, you know, just graduated high school and, you know, he would love to be a director of operations someday and he would love to do Danny's job. But as long as Danny's there, Jake will never get that opportunity. But if you give me that second store, Jake becomes a director of operations and he gets his dream job. Then the next one, I went and said, you know, this person right here is is my general manager, highly capable, and she's not going anywhere. She's amazing. And as long as she's there, then... Christine, below her, will never get the shot at ever being a general manager herself. Now, Christine was my marketing director. She had just finished college and she graduated uh, to be an elementary school teacher. And she had to make a choice. Am I going to be Sean's marketing director or am I going to become a teacher? Now, I believe Christine could be a general manager. But as long as we had one store, she'd never get that opportunity. And I went ahead and said, if we get a second store... Christine doesn't leave to become a teacher. Christine stays in the brand and she can be a general manager at this other store. I went down the line and I described all the great things that my people would become. And I painted this great vision for these young leaders thriving. And then I said, but without this opportunity, all those futures disappear. Now, I need to tell you this story. It was the right answer for me because I got emotional. I was describing this beautiful future and then imagining it disappear right before my eyes. And uh, in in doing that, like I got choked up and I I just, I I cared so much for these people and I didn't want to see that just, you know, the the light, you know, go out on them. So um, anyway, I finished, I finished that question and they thanked me. And they left shortly after that. And they didn't give me any feedback. They didn't say, good job. They didn't say, you know, that was a great answer. Like, I didn't know how I did, but I felt pretty confident. Uh, looking back, I, I will say the answer that I gave that day, it, it wasn't just a great answer or the right answer. It was the answer. It was the answer to the question. And I can say that with confidence, that there couldn't have been another answer that, that brought me to that emotional place and the emotional conclusion that I arrived at. They asked the question, why do you want this? And there was one reason and it came down to people and my connection with people and the people I cared for. And I reached in and I was able to take that one thing out and describe it very articulately and very personally. It was the right answer. So where are they now? Let's wrap up these stories. So, uh, okay. I did get the second store and in the months that followed, I actually began to get operators who would reach out to me because they heard that I did a really good job in the interview. So that was cool. Essentially, the people that interviewed me, they did think I did a good job. And when other people were interviewing for a similar opportunity, they would say, hey, you should talk to Sean. He did really good. And so eventually I found out, you know, even though they didn't tell me that, yes, I I did a good job answering that. So, uh, And then the second thing, Jake... Uh, was promoted to operations director at the new store. And uh, over the last five years, Jake has worked uh, with me at both locations. And he's become so skilled and such a knowledgeable and loyal member of our director team. Uh, So proud of Jake. And the third person here was Christine. Uh, She did eventually become uh, my general manager and we turned the role into what was called the operating partner and uh, she decided not to become a teacher now over at the new location uh, she was the operating partner and uh, she found that her passion to teach was fully utilized in her role she teaches kids every single day at chick-fil-a now that's a good story and if it weren't great enough it gets better After being an operating partner for five years, and after, you know, 14 years with Chick-fil-A, Christine has now recently been selected to become an operator uh, right here in Southern California. So I could not be more proud. Uh, She is going to be an operator. She's the first operator that's come out of my organization, which I'm also very proud of. So that is the recap of that story. Let's go back to Corey Braun and the relocation. So Corey's team, they did crush the interview. A few weeks later, he got a call. And the people that interviewed him told him that the store that he applied for was the most competitive selection they had seen in a long time. And while every candidate that they had interviewed had better results, better business results, what they saw in him was his ability to lead and steward the hearts of his leaders, and that it so far surpassed all of the competition. So in a story ending that was, you know, both beautiful and heartbreaking, you know, his leaders won that day. Uh, They won for him. And the good news is, even though he did leave and he moved back home, which was great, and his leaders stayed, uh, the operator who replaced him is an incredible and passionate leader as well. They're in great hands. Lastly, Haley. Haley Brown, the 15-year-old interview that said the day my parents chose to adopt me. Haley worked for me for many years. She worked her way up to a key-carrying team lead, and then she ran our family night program and did events for the store for kids. And eventually, she became an elementary school teacher. Not just any elementary school teacher, though. Uh, Haley actually works at the same school that my kids go to. So that same young girl who had the courage to put her heart on the table in her first interview did get the job working for us. She worked her way into leadership and now she teaches my youngest daughter, Kahana. She's actually Kahana's elementary school teacher. So great answers lead to great stories. So don't ever be afraid and don't put walls up. When the tough questions come, take a moment, breathe, think about the people who surround you that mean the most and ask yourself, why does this answer matter so much to me? Why do these people matter so much to me? And keep asking why a few times. Dig down deep and put your heart on the table. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you liked this episode, uh, let me know about it. I got to spend time a few weeks ago with all the Chick-fil-A operators and staff uh, in the whole chain. We got together at our seminar, and it was in Nashville, Tennessee. And there was 8,000 people there, and I had so many operators come up and, and tell me, how much their leaders enjoyed the podcast and they enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for that. I got so many uplifting comments. So if this podcast means something to you, go into the Apple Podcast app and tell me about it. And uh, the more of these I hear, that always inspires me. And I say, man, I got to keep doing these. Thank you for being part of the Love Works Here movement, as I like to call it, and helping me create more places where everyone loves their job. We'll be back with another episode um, in the coming weeks and uh, hannah will be here uh, along with me Uh, but for now i like to say uh, malama pono this time which means in hawaiian take care of yourself and be well